This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, Jeff Bezos built Amazon into the everything store, and now he's moving on from the top job. The biggest thing he used to get asked all the time was, what's the internet? Doesn't get asked that very often anymore, but that tells you how long he's been doing this. That legacy and Amazon's next leader with the man who wrote the intro to Bezos' own book, Walter Isaacson. Jeff had already wandered away a bit in his mind to other endeavors. I think this is one of the most confident transitions you can imagine. And grounding the frenzy, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen calling a meeting with financial regulators to discuss the GameStop Robin Hood drama. Former Dallas Fed President Richard Fisher. The purpose of regulation is to protect the investor not to let markets run wild and hurt investors. It's Wednesday, February 3rd, 2021. Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. It is not Groundhog's Day. We're here, new day, new things would going on, funny. and we are watching the U.S. equity futures pretty pretty quickly. Yeah, that would, would be, be funny. Would have been um, fun if we watching- just played the tape, just, just played yesterday's show, right? Just started out with that. People at home would have been going just like the movie. No, we're going to save that for April Fool's Day. That's coming up not too far from now. Let's get on to to Jeff uh, Bezos. He's stepping aside. The Amazon CEO He's 57. He's going to have a good life. He's been kind of executive chairman for a while. People say, did you read that, that no one's really ever seen him at the the Seattle uh, campus? And they're not sure if they've ever really seen him there. He's going to become executive chairman of the board. Bezos said he intends to focus his energy on new products and early initiatives. The company's top cloud executive, Andy Jazzy, no relation to Hugh, I'm told. He's going to take over uh, the CEO role uh, in the third quarter. <laughs> Thank you for being here, Becky. I, at least I get you. I get you once in a while. Though. You remember Bart Simpson? It took me a second. Yes, it took me a second. But... Calls the bar. He calls Mo <clears throat> at the bar yes. and says, uh, can I speak to <laughs> Mr. Jazz? Hugh Jazz. You jazz, Ivana Tinkle. Um, uh, um, there's other ones. Anyway, uh, but we digress. Meantime, Amazon. Amanda uh, this, Huggins. Yeah. Amanda Huggins. This, this, is, uh, this is Andy Jazzy, not, not, not Hugh Jazzy. Uh, meantime, a- Amazon's earnings of 1409 beat estimates of 723 uh, a share. That's easy to say. That 1409 beat estimates of 723. The analyst community, they, uh, you know, they need to go back to uh, their spreadsheets. Revenue of $125 billion also beat uh, estimates, and it marked the first time Amazon's revenue exceeded $100 billion in a quarter. That's also easy to say, but hard to fathom. Revenue exceeded $100 billion in a quarter. I think it's Walmart. By the way, it, it, it didn't just exceed $100 billion in a quarter. It exceeded $125 billion. So it was the first time they'd gone over $100 billion, and they, they didn't just, like, step over the line. They, like, smacked it out of the park. Right, and then even in a non holiday quarter. They're expecting 100 to $106 billion in, a fo- in the first quarter. That is a slowdown, obviously, sequentially from the fourth quarter, but uh, 33% higher than the same quarter uh, a year ago. I saw that yesterday, and I have to say my chin kind of f- literally fell open when I was reading the headlines about it. Then I read Bezos's note and his letter about why he's doing it, and I get it. And it makes sense. And you mentioned that, you know, he's been out there doing other things for a yep. while. Maybe not a huge surprise, except for that 
you know, he's not going to be completely disconnected. He still gets to be involved with the whole thing, but he gets to do what he wants to do and make sure there are other people there recognizing that they're running a lot of the day to day operations and stuff. But, I mean, it's a great right. job. You said he's going to have a great life. He already has a great life. This is he, he gets to do what he wants to do yeah. and laying out in that letter why he was doing it and all the things they've accomplished. I mean, I forgot about things like one click shopping. That was such a big deal when they actually did that. I think that was before 2000 because I think about, I wrote about it for the Wall Street Journal. And, it, it, you know, that was such a revolutionary idea. And now we think of it as being nothing. And he said, that's the best thing that you can possibly hope for is that people yawn at your innovation because it becomes so commonplace. I, they've done so many things along the way, the focus on customers, um, what they've done with the cloud. I, I mean, they've done so many things along the way. And I was amazed, kind of blown away reading just his quick list of some of the things he's proud about, some of their accomplishments, because I'd forgotten about some of them. And um, he's going to spend more time in his place on Mars. Uh, I think, too. You know, he's, he's rarely able to, to get <laughs> yeah. there uh, at, at this point. It's, you know, the commute. Uh, no, but I, I, I'm sure there's going to be more of that stuff, right? These vanity projects. I, I, maybe it's not a vanity project anymore. Maybe it's, it's real. But uh, I'm sure that's going to take up uh, some of his time, right, to develop. Uh, did you see that yeah. uh, he, one of his vanity projects was Echo, which I do not use uh, at all. Do you, do you guys have those things? Do you have a, uh, you know, know, the... But whatever it is, Alexa. You mean an Alexa? Yeah, yeah, Alexa. Yeah. Do you? That have, wasn't you a vanity project. That was. That wasn't a vanity project. That was one of the. That was one of the greatest innovations that we've seen. He started over the he last did that. decade. He, did that. he started on that. Yeah, I mean, he. It was one, It wasn't delivering books. It was one of the things he wanted to be able to. Uh, you know, it, it's innovative, but it, that was one of his projects. It started right. up. I'll read it to you. Let me read it to right. you. Right, right here. Do you read the uh, read the article, Andrew? Right there. Echo. I, I've, I've read the articles. I think, to be honest with you, I think that we're, oh, I don't want to say we're overplaying the headline because I think the real truth and, and those who followed this company, especially over the last five years, this is basically what's been happening. Um, right. I know Andy well. By the way, I've seen Jeff at uh, the headquarters. I've been in, in Seattle probably about a year ago with both of them. So I think like, I, I don't think this is a, a huge shift in terms of what's happening at all. I think this is just a formalization of what's basically been in the works. This has been such a long time in the works, and I think relatively telegraphed uh, to those who've been, who've been following it, um, not even that closely. I mean, I, I think most of the, the biggest investors in Amazon uh, knew this was uh, in the offing at some point. And then there's all the, all the other stuff that we've read in, in recent years about him. I guess he can, you know, he's got things going on. He's got a lot of things going on, a lot of things <laughs> happening. But, uh, he's, got a, he's got a life. He's got a life beyond Amazon. I'd like to, to fly around the world, you know, eating at P- Parisian restaurants and, the, you know, when, when they're reopening, obviously. But uh, and then maybe stop off in Tahiti or something in my own on my own like little island next door. He can do all that stuff now. It, I, it, it probably is. He says it's consuming to run Amazon. It would be, wouldn't it? I, I would maybe not. As, like you're saying, he's been. Look at the. Uh, kind of an executive chairman, but there is, um, you know, it'd be nice to have someone else. And everybody does it. Look, you know, Gates did it and the Google guys and everybody eventually hands over the reins. seems like not in TV. It's been though. 27 years. And that's yeah. you, you imagine. I mean, part of what he said in his note was the biggest thing he used to get asked all the time was, what's the Internet? Doesn't get asked that very often anymore. But that tells you how long he's been doing this and how much things have evolved over that period of time. 27 years is a long time, too. He's only 57, but 27 years is a long time to be grinding away at stuff. 
Go ahead, Beck. Take it away. Thanks, Joe. For more on Jeff Bezos's legacy and where could he go from here, let's welcome Tulane University professor Walter Isaacson. Of course, he's also a CNBC contributor and an advisory partner at Perella Weinberg. He also wrote the introduction to Bezos's book, Invent and Wander, the Collected Writings of Jeff Bezos. Walter's fee from that book, by the way, was donated to charity. And Walter, it's great to see you this morning. It's great to be back with you, Becky and all of y'all. Well, I was thinking about it, and you have written about some of the greatest inventors of all time, everybody from da Vinci to Benjamin Franklin to Einstein and, and Steve Jobs. And I just wonder where you think Bezos is going to fall when, when history kind of looks back at what he's done. Well, when we look at this remarkable era, Bezos will be in the pantheon with Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, especially if uh, Jeff moves forward with his day one and his philanthropic work. And up there, of course, with Sergey Brin and uh, Larry Page uh, and Elon Musk. Those are the big ones right now. And in some ways, uh, Bezos has done more because not has he he's not only created the everything store, which, as we've seen during this pandemic, is quite useful. He has such a relentless curiosity. He innovates in so many different fields. And I think Amazon Web Services, which Andy Jassy has run, is going to be hugely important because it's a platform, just like Steve Jobs created the iPhone as a platform, upon which other entrepreneurs will build. So I think that's part of the future of Amazon is who knows the wondrous things that will be built upon the AWS platform. I like what you said about how his curiosity is so key and so important. I think that's a huge part of why Amazon has this culture of taking on anything and everything. You know, things that other people would say, there's no reason they should be getting into these type of things. I think it's Bezos's curiosity that has driven the culture there. And I wonder, when you Absolutely. look at a company, how difficult it is to keep a culture like that when there's somebody else in charge. Obviously, this may be a little different with Jassy having worked for him for so long and grown up in the company, too. But that seems like the, the sort of, you know, magic in a bottle that's really difficult to, to keep and foster at a company. Well, let's first of all say that is the magic. In the book we wrote, uh, Invent and Wander, which is Jeff Bezos's writings, curiosity is the main thread that goes throughout. It's the main thread of the great creative people I've written about my entire career. I mean, that's what Leonardo da Vinci was all about, which what Ben Franklin was all about, and it's what Steve Jobs was all about, is a relentless, joyful curiosity. And in Bezos's case, it's accompanied by that uh, boisterous boombox of a laugh when something strikes his curiosity. <laughs> and when you get Andy Jassy, who was his, like 24 years ago, uh, Jeff's technical advisor at Amazon, meaning his sort of aide de camp, helping him figure out new things. Jassy's got it in his DNA, in the Amazon DNA of that curiosity uh, that leads to Jeff Bezos ever since he was in his wonder years, you know, to when he was like five or six or seven years old watching space shots go up from what was then Cape Canaveral. Uh, he's always been interested in different things. And I guess the essence of Jeff is he never quite outgrew his wonder years. We're all curious uh, when we're kids, but we kind of get it hammered out of us by people who say, quit asking so many stupid questions. But his parents, you know, Mike Bezos and Jackie Bezos, nurtured that sense of wonder years, you know, drove to Radio Shack three or four times a day so he could stay in his wonder years as he is now in his 50s. 
you know, we, we've been comparing it this morning, trying to look at other examples where there's been a founder, a great founder who's stepped aside or, or, or not been there anymore. And, and maybe it is right to compare this as a Steve Jobs to Tim Cook sort of transition, somebody who's been there um, and has soaked everything up and looked through this. What do you think? Yeah, we have to remember that Steve Jobs uh, left earlier than that in some ways. He left in 1985 and had to be recalled in the late 1990s. I hope that's not the case here with Amazon. Jassy has truly been um, not just like a Tim Jobs who handled the major components of Apple for quite a while under Steve Jobs. This is somebody who's been there since the beginning. I mean, Amazon's about 27 years old, I would guess. Jassy's been there 24 years and he knows how to bring it into new fields. Plus, let's remember, Jeff Bezos is going to be the executive chairman. Jeff Bezos is going to be the biggest shareholder. Jeff Bezos has this wonderful philosophy, which is only concentrate on the big decisions that are hard to reverse, the one-way doors, as you said earlier. And Jeff Bezos will be doing that. So maybe it's not that different than, than what's been happening over the last year or two, as he's had more endeavors that have taken his, his time and attention. Yes, and you have to remember that about a year and a half ago, he stepped back quite a bit. He bought the Washington Post. Yeah. You know, He cared about space and Blue Origin. And he was really delegating authority, letting two people uh, run Amazon. There were two co-CEO types under him. But it was clear about and that he had to come back during the pandemic. I mean, this was an all-hands-on-deck and a make or break for Amazon. It turned out to be a make because they executed during this pandemic. So Jeff had already wandered away a bit in his mind to other endeavors. Then he came back during the pandemic. And I think four months ago, maybe five months ago, it was clear how they were going to do the transition. It was clear that Andy Jassy would get it. There was a bit of a shakeup in the management ranks. Uh, I, I think this is one of the yeah. most confident transitions you can imagine. Uh, not that he's not going to have big issues, Jassy, to, to focus on, Walter. We're about out of time. But he, he's got Washington regulators focusing on the company, questions about how they treat their employees. What, what, what's the way that, that the, the biggest obstacle he's going to biggest facing? is The biggest is antitrust, in my opinion. And, you know, uh, Bezos is a relentless competitor, so was the company. There were a lot of things that they've done over the years, which is whether it's on Amazon Web Services, but especially on their retail platform, where they go, they leverage their dominance in a platform in order to really compete strongly. The question is, is it anti-competitive? And that's going to be a big case. Mm -hmm. Walter, great to see you this morning. Really glad that we had the time to, to talk to you. you. And uh, we'll see you again soon. Okay, nice. Andrew. Right. BlackBerry or um, or Bed Bath and Beyond, uh, AMC, BA, well, American for us, Airlines, for us, a, Bed Bath and Beyond. Nokia. We know that, Joe. Okay, yeah, for us. But B A A N right. uh, Nokia G GameStop, the Bang stocks instead of the Fang stocks. Huh? Yes. Does that not uh, B A A N? Be, that way, that's the, the moniker. Stocks. We don't have to say Reddit, so we don't have to, I've, you know, explain it. The bank stocks. We'll just say bang. The bang stocks. I oh, just oh, heard that one bang, the first bang. time, I think, yesterday. Bang stocks. Did you say that? You already had this? I didn't say it. No, I heard, oh. no, I heard it yesterday. Oh, I think oh, I heard oh, it. I, I heard oh. it on our channel. It works. Uh, I, I, I'm, I, I'm adopting it. I thought I made that up. That happens a lot with me. I, I see something and then I'm... <laughs> You'll see as you guys get a little older. You think you come up with all this stuff. 
Next on Squawk Pod, breaking down the GameStop gameplay with former Dallas Fed President Richard Fisher. All I thought of was, here we go once again, another mania, and it'll result in tears. We'll be right back. You are listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC. The Reddit stocks may be hitting the skids, or at least a slowdown. GameStop fell 60% yesterday and has lost more than 70% of its value just this week. And trading app Robinhood said this morning it will allow trading of fractional shares of GameStop and AMC, the movie theater chain, although position limits remain in effect. That limits the number of shares an investor can hold. Now we're learning that the new administration's Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, will look into the GameStop effect, the extreme volatility we've seen in these stocks. She is expected to meet as soon as today with the leaders of the SEC, the Federal Reserve, the New York Fed, and the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. So is this the first step in potential regulation as a response to investor speculation, a quieting of the Redditor rebellion? Maybe. Today on our TV broadcast, we talked to a man who knows Yellen well. Richard Fisher is the former president of the Dallas Federal Reserve, including when Yellen was Fed chairman. Here's Joe Kernan kicking it off. Richard, thanks for joining us. Tell me the truth. Uh, when, when you saw this happening, when you saw this happening, did you immediately think, well, what do you expect uh, because of the Fed? When I saw this happening, I thought back to it happening so many times before. If you go back and read Washington Irving's crayon papers about the South Sea bubble of uh, 1719 or Charles McKay, extraordinary popular delusions. He wrote it in 1848, I think, or 41 or very germane to the question you just asked about regulation. Charlie Kindleberger's great works on uh, manias and panics. Joe, this has happened. So I just gave you a panoply of 300 years of history. It happens repeatedly. It has been exacerbated now, just as volatility in political markets, by social media and the latency of communication, which is instantaneous. So it whips up crowds. They get excited about something. They forget that price is what you pay, value is what you get. They just think on the price front only. So all I thought of was, here we go once again, another mania, and it will result in tears. And it, so, it, it, it so, so the Fed is not causing it, but the Fed is certainly, would you say the Fed is providing some of the tinder? Yeah. When money is free and cheap. And also, yeah. you have to remember, too, we've had a buildup in savings here and we push money out of the system. Uh, household savings are awfully high. Thirteen point two percent or whatever it is. A very high number that I've never seen in my lifetime here in the United States. So, yes, I think those conditions are exacerbated. But. It's really social media, just as it's done to politics. You can create enormous crowds around a passionate subject. We saw it on the right and the left in politics. It can be extreme, as we saw in the group that took over the Capitol. It whips up a frenzy, a nutcase frenzy. And we're seeing that now with individual investors who are of the opinion that it's just a matter of speculating cleverly rather than looking at underlying value relative to the price okay. that you pay. Richard, um, I, I, do you think that, that Janet Yellen is right to convene a meeting just yes. for, for these? And I will tell you that, because I, I do remember a lot of things. I remember Janet Yellen's call on biotech, and I, I, I Googled it real quick, and I came with one of our great CNBC.com articles 
Remembering Yellen's awful biotech call last year, she, on, on July 16, 2014, she said that they were, uh, biotech was substantially uh, stretched and was in for a day of reckoning. And then at the next 12 months, it rallied another 52 percent. So I'm not sure that, that you know, necessarily that, that people can call or, or should be in the business of calling speculation and then regulating it. Are you? Well, again, I go back to the great economist, Charles Kendallberger. He said that markets unregulated uh, lead to panics, ultimately, and there is a need for some regulation. I'm not going to take sides on Janet's <laughs> market timing because no one is good at it except for Uber professionals. But I'm happy with the fact she's going to talk to the regulators to see what might be done. The purpose of regulation is to protect the investor, not to... Uh, let markets run wild and hurt investors. So let's see what comes out of these meetings. Um, we've already seen what happens when margin requirements are imposed, uh, even though they haven't been imposed by the Federal Reserve. I think they're going to have to be thoughtful about this and very careful. But a lot of small investors have been hurt here. And they, I, would they, hope, I would hope that regulation seeks to protect rather than to harm. We'll when see. When we talked about it to try to highlight the you know, if we called it a, a social media orchestrated pump and dump, you should see the, yeah. the, the comments we get. If we say, well, you know, we're just trying to say that, you know, when the music stops and the, there's no chairs left and, and there's no more shorts left and you're at $500 on GameStop, who's going to be the, the stock that used to be $20? Who's going to be holding it from 500 as it, you know, as fundamentals take over? Because, and we got a lot of grief. They said we are, we're allowed to do this because we, we, we might lose money. We don't care. Don't, you know, you well, don't, you don't they don't care to. when they're making money, but when they start losing it, they say they I'll bet you they care. start to care. Well, we'll see. Andrew? Hey, Richard, though, the, the big question that I'd ask is just how you think regulators should think about effectively regulating free speech online, especially in these yep. type of situations where you could have this social media-enabled kind of trading. Um, and on the other end, what could be arguably argued as manipulation recognizing that a lot of the folks online look at the kind of idea dinners and conversations that happen, frankly, over terminals and other things professionally, people think are the same thing. Yeah, that's what I referred to earlier, the, the ubiquity and latency of social media, the instantaneity of communications uh, has made this a much more complex problem. So again, what would you do about it's it, going to be a really hard thing for the regulators to sort this thing through. But let's remember, it's important that investors, including the investors in these kind of securities, are protected rather than harmed. And unfortunately, a lot of people, a lot of tears now flowing uh, because of what happened with GameStop and Silver, et cetera, AMC. Go ahead, there, Andrew. No, no, it's mean, again, there's more to it than just that, though. Now there's a there's an income inequality aspect to this. And, and in a the small guy versus the 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 market that's been rigged uh, in, in their view, by the, the uh, fast traders and the algorithms and the hedge funds and the short sellers right. that short more stock than you're, uh, than you're allowed to short. And I, again, come back to, to the Fed for, for, uh, you know, for, for making income inequality a lot worse. By, by, and it's not, you know, the Fed had to do what it had to do because of some, maybe the policies haven't always been great to, for, to generate economic growth on their own. So you needed the Fed to do it, but it has exacerbated all these things. And, and there is an us versus them eat the rich backdrop to all of this. And it's, it's really strong. And it's, it's a, almost an Occupy right. Wall Street. Joe, 
As you know, Joe, if you go back and read the transcripts, my 10 years at the Federal Reserve that ended in 2015, I worried aloud about the income disparity that was being created. We were making the quick and the rich richer and hurting the working men and women of our country. And that's not an ideological argument. To me, that was the logical conclusion of free and easy money. So I'm not against well, your are, argument here. But so the point is this. This has happened over and over and over again no, I know. in history. But what about the game? What about the Wall Street game? Should there be, you know, instead of talking about regulation for the, the Reddit traders, what about some changes? Do, do changes need to be made in the way Wall Street has been conducting business for the past five or ten years? I think that's up to the, the regulators and, and uh, the SEC in particular. And we'll just have to see what they come out with here because, remember, Janet Yellen and the Biden cabinet is a relatively social democratic, meaning liberal on the American spectrum, uh, cabinet and advisory group. So I am relatively sure that they're not just going to address this particular pinprick issue that just came up. And they're going to have to ask themselves um, how they deal with what Andrew pointed out and what you're pointing out. And I hope they have a broad discussion on this subject. We'll see if they do. But you have to remember, again, cheap and abundant money, free and abundant money, has also uh, led to a huge bull market in bonds and now in stocks. And the question is, uh, how do you rein it in without bringing down the entire system hmm. and without hurting the average investor? We'll see what happens out of this meeting. If we do, and, and you mentioned, what did you call it, a social democratic sort of a, a treasury perspective, I, mean, I think the Biden administration is, is obviously being pulled that way by certain parts of the Democratic Party. So if you combine uh, the Fed eventually withdrawing some stimulus as well as increased taxes and $15 minimum wage and everything else, how long do we continue to see new highs uh, in, in the stock market? Well, uh, we'll have to see because, remember, the deflation trade pretty much seems to be over. Rates are gradually increasing, particularly the 10-year. If you watch it today, it's over 1-1. And uh, in that kind of scenario, the way you discount the present value of future cash flows changes. But on the other hand, we've had a good earnings season. We're having a very good earnings season. And we'll see how the kind of earnings impact you get with a tax increase, enhanced regulation, raising a minimum wage if you end up doing that. Uh, these are going to be factors that will be input into how one earns and, yeah. and the price multiples that are then paid over those earnings as rates very gradually rise. Now, I don't know anything about market timing, Joe. It's not how I made my living before I went to the right. Fed, but I did make it based on a fundamental analysis basis. And yeah. I think that always has to, it, it always reverts back to the mean. We'll All see. Right, Richard, thank you. Uh, you are a big uh, CNBC fan. I, 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 you know, some, I'm a little bit miffed that I, I understand Wilfred Frost is your, is the guy that you like best. Is that what is is that him behind you that that, that we've uh, that, that we've got that that art? I think we. That's my father, who uh, was a homeless man until he was almost 20, and begged for food on the streets. Came to America, and as you can see, he did pretty well. Okay, so that is not, uh, that is, that's not Wilford's father. They actually told me, I got from the the supervising (laughs) producer, 
So that's Leslie Fisher, my dad, who I'm very proud of because we came to America and it all ended up really well. Okay. You're my favorite, Joe, but Andrew's my second. Actually, Becky's my all-time favorite. There we go. This is Squawk Pod. Here's Joe Kernan. Did you shovel... Becky, did you uh, shovel yesterday? No. Did, did you send your... I didn't. Uh, Matt, Matt did it all. I did. I'm... I'm Matt, yeah, Matt did I can't, it all, Yeah, 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 yeah. I am so sore and stiff, and I didn't shovel. I wasn't doing the whole driveway. I'm just trying to get to the car. There were 30 <laughs> inches of snow out here. It was a, a lot Andrew, of snow. Andrew, is your yeah. staff... Stiff? Do you know whether they're complaining about uh, about about sore backs or? or uh, I've heard, heard about back. I've them? heard about back issues, back issues and knee issues. What is what I what I keep really? hearing about? From you all know, of them, we, or just, we don't, we don't just have a, a long driveway like you, Joe. So uh, we we just here live, live live in the little city of New York City where um, there 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 is no staff. This but yeah, was. I I I know I know about back issues and knee issues. So yes. <laughs> but to get to the passenger side. I looked at it, it was like, it's just not your normal snow. It's like, I got to try no. to go from here to there in waist high. That's a lot. Like, you start at the top. And, and by and the way, you, it's heavy snow, too. It's, it's not heavy. light snow. It's, I, I will say, just from running you know around what? playing in it, this is not the fluffy stuff that just looks expanded. This is heavy two feet of snow. Plus. And you read about people that, you know, maybe haven't been that active lately. And, and you know, I've had a birthday recently. It's dangerous and you, thinking about you want you wonder when you're gotta be careful. It's like, well, no, that's probably just the stiff sore arm, uh, left arm. That's nothing, nothing to be concerned about. But it, it's scary. It is. You need to take a little break in between. This was big, was it not? It's a lot of global warming that uh, that dumped on us yesterday. A lot of snow. And that's Squawk Pod for today. Thank you for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern and subscribe to Squawk Pod. We are available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here tomorrow.